Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Today's Bible reading comes from Psalm 42, verses 1 to 11. For the director of music, a masculine of the sons of Korah, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food, day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. From the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm guessing it's me. All right. So um, I am preaching to you today. I'm Jill Firth, if you don't know who I am. Many of us in this lockdown are resonating with the language of lament, as Patrick has already said. In this new lockdown, we sometimes feel that we're simultaneously drowning and dying of thirst. And we have a Psalm 63 that has this same experience. I've come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I'm weary with my crying. My throat is parched. So sometimes we're beginning to take on and recycle the words of Psalms and other laments in our lockdown time. Other issues also can be quite helpfully addressed using the language of lament. The scholar William Brown, when he heard of the American withdrawal, he's an American scholar, heard of the American withdrawal from Afghanistan, he was um, very concerned about the plight of particularly of women in that situation. And he turned to the city lament about Jerusalem that we find in the Book of Lamentations 
he's done very little adaptation, but he just took some bits out that talk about Jerusalem and put bits in about Kabul. How abandoned sits the city, once full of people with desire and hope. How like a widow she has become, she that was great throughout her country. He goes on, the roads to Kabul are blocked. All her gates are closed. Her young women grieve for their prospects are bitter. So when he was seeking to find a way to express his concern for Kabul, he turned to the Book of Lamentations and was able to adapt that scripture to his uh, thoughts and feelings. Psalm 42 is very personal to me. Um, those words that Patrick picked up that deep falls to deep in the, in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. Some years ago, uh, a close family member um, had suffered with cancer but come into remission. She had two little kids and unfortunately um, medical um, processes didn't pick up that the cancer had returned and it was too late for them to be able to treat it at that time. And so she went quite quickly from a healthy, um, happy mother of two kids into someone who was dying. And I was living overseas at the time. I couldn't visit her. And this sense of deep calling to deep was a very, um, just the place where my heart went. And it really helped me to, uh, to kind of put words around the experience that I had at the time. As we come to Psalm 42, I'd like to just pray. We thank you, Jesus, that you are always with us. And we thank you that you're here with us as we consider this psalm and as we bring our lives to you and also the lives of others for whom we're concerned. Um, sorry, change my page. The psalm begins in a kind of a dull way in some ways to the leader, a masculine of the Korahites, but it gives us some useful information. We know that the person who was writing the psalm is a Levite, a Levitical singer, someone who was a temple singer. And not only is this psalm like an I psalm, but it's addressed to the director of music. So even though it's a very personal psalm, it is um, intended to be used for public use. Another thing we see is that this guy is far from the temple. He's a Jerusalem um, temple singer. That's where he wants to be, leading the worship in the house of God. But he's somewhere far out, um, probably up in the north in Lebanon, up um, in Mount Hermon, where the um, headwaters of the Jordan are. So there's great big uh, rivers and um, waterfalls that come down there. He also mentions Mount Mizar, which is to the northeast across the Jordan. So, again, very far from John from Jerusalem, he seems to be wandering about. And the third piece of information we get about from his inner state is that he has enemies taunting him all day long. They say, where is your God? So he's far away, he's wishing he was at the temple and he's praying um, because people are saying to him, where is your God? Which doesn't mean, where is your God? Like, you know, does he live in heaven or, you know, in a palace or something, but, why isn't God doing something for you? Maybe he doesn't care about you. Why is God not acting on your behalf? Maybe there's something wrong with your faith or your relationship with God. 
So as we turn into the psalm itself, we get these so familiar words that we all can sing to one tune or another. As the deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. These are such familiar words, aren't they? And they're a long way from Psalm 1, aren't they? Where in Psalm 1, you've got the tree next to the stream, and the roots go down and the water comes up, and the leaves never wither and the fruit comes in season. It's also stable and comfortable. But here the poor guy is dashing about like a thirsty uh, deer, perhaps you think of a kangaroo in a desert. Um, and the flowing streams, I've got NRSV here, uh, Afike Mayam, it could actually be deep ravines with a little trickle at the bottom that's only there in the rainy season. So it's not easy to get to this water. It's not like Psalm 1 where you just put your um, roots down into, into the easy canal. Of course, God is still there, but his experience is that it's quite difficult to find him. And what is he seeking? What is he thirsting for? My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So he's desperate to go and find the face of God, to be in the presence of God. And his normal experience is that the temple is a good place to do that, but he's sadly cut off from there. In this first part of the psalm, the only water is the psalmist's tears. He's weeping day and night, his tears and his food. In verse 4, we get his first memory. He tries to cheer himself up, perhaps, by thinking back to the happy days in the temple. He thinks about when he went with the throng, leading them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Here he's leading the pack. He's got everyone behind him. They're following him, and they're joyful and having a wonderful time. This is, you know, before... Um, you could watch your worship on screens, like we're, we're probably not so happy on screens. This is even before screens. There might have been worship going on at the temple, but he is somewhere where he can't even see a screen. He's just without that enjoyment. And this is our, also got our first soundscape. He's having a memory, and the soundscape is all the joy and celebration. Then we move to the first time we see the refrain, verse 5. And he's talking to himself. Puritans used to do that. It's the original two-chair work. So in one chair, he's sitting there all morning and cast down. And then he pretends to place himself in a second chair where he's talking to himself. So why are you cast down? You know, why are you troubled? Uh, put your hope in God. And the other guy's like, oh, I feel terrible. You know, everything's so miserable. I'm far from the temple. So it's got this kind of two-chair work um, going on where he, he tries to work things out in his own mind, and he gives himself the advice that he should keep on trusting in God, but he's also looking into the depths of his situation. The turmoil and the hope that he experiences in this um, refrain is picked up again in the second soundscape. He tries again to do a memory. So the first time he tried to do his uh, worship memory and that kind of it was good, but then he also felt the pain of being separate. So he has another go. This time he says, I remember you. So he goes straight, straight for the jugular this time. He, he goes straight for remembering God. He says, I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon from Mount Mizar. But then the soundscape comes to him there. Deep falls to deep. 
in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have gone over me. So the soundscape isn't that happy rejoicing. It's the deep sound of uh, the water uh, turning over the turbulent headwaters of the Jordan. And now he's not leading the action. He's, the action is going over him. He's just being tumbled and tossed about by the experience of being away from God. But then we get another soundscape. We get a background soundscape. He says in verse 8, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. So he's got the old worship sound. He's got the turmoil of the Jordan. But underneath and through it all is threading this song of God's love and his own prayer to the God he says, the God of my life. He's not, you know, throwing God away. He's like, you're my God and you're the God of my life. And then he addresses God directly. He's been talking about God. He talks to God. He says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forsaken me? Why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me? As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me. When they say to me continually, where is my God? Now he's got this other earworm that he's um, paying more attention to that he's mentioned before, but he's mentioning it again. The taunts of the enemy are just replaying in his mind, playing over and over in his mind. So the inner turmoil is quite complex because he's got all these different soundscapes going on in his mind and this very visceral sound of the deadly wound in my body. The, the earworm is, you know, almost like a, a stomach worm, you know, something really painful and difficult that's that's very visceral then he comes back in verse 11 to the refrain that's um, almost exactly the same as in verse 5 why are you cast down O my soul so again he's doing his two chair work and why are you disquieted within me but then he also gives himself some advice hope in god for i shall again praise him looking to the future to when things will be restored my help and my god and of course, sometimes it goes back to the way it was, where we get to be a worship leader in flesh, and sometimes uh, we find another way of meeting God, even though our circumstances are not as we might have hoped. This psalm invites us not to hurry away from the turmoil and the struggle. We can be mixed up with the waves going over us, but at the same time, be hearing the prayer to the God of my love. And at the same time, thinking about um, God's faithfulness. And at the same time, hearing the enemy earwork. And these things are brought back a couple of times in this psalm. And actually, the next psalm brings them through again. So we're staying in this space of turmoil. And that's okay. In some psalms, we hear about God rescuing. In Psalm 18 is a classic one where um, David says, you reached down and you pulled me out of the mighty waters. You rescued me. But that psalm, if you read the heading of that, it says um, this is the song that David sang when God delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and of Saul. We're talking about a decade or more of struggle. So sometimes the thanksgivings aren't something that happens in a moment, but there's something that follows a long period of difficulty. Another psalm that is um, precious to many of us at this time is Psalm 139, where 
the psalmist, uh, it's David here, says, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and go to the far side of the sea, your right hand will hold me fast. Some years ago, I was in a prayer group where we were praying different parts of scripture. And one of the things we prayed was, you know, that New Testament story where um, Jesus is praying and the people are in the boat and then there's a storm and Jesus sees they're a bit disturbed. So he comes walking across the water and then Peter gets out of the boat and he's, then he starts to sink and he's like, save me, Lord. And Jesus reaches out his hand. Yeah, and the story goes on that he gets saved. Right, well, we were praying this psalm, oh, this, this um, text from scripture and I'm in the boat and I get out and I start walking on the water and I start to sink and I reach out my hand, probably right hand because it's, you know, Eastern, Middle Eastern culture. I reach out my hand and Jesus does not take my hand and I just keep sinking and sinking, sinking and sinking and I sank right to the bottom of the sea. He was terrified. I was at the bottom of the sea and all these waves were going all over me, you know, sort of signifying the issues that I was facing at that time. But then I noticed that Jesus had come and also sunk to the bottom of the sea. This is not what happens in the Bible. This is just what happened in my prayer time. And he just sat there and I just sat there and we sat there while other people were being rescued and going off and having a happy time. And then afterwards, whenever I prayed, I would find myself in this same place with Jesus at the bottom of the sea. And it went on for about six weeks, I think, where things were going on above me, but Jesus and I were just sitting at the bottom of the sea and it was you know reminiscent I guess of some of these um, images in the cells where these things are um, just taking time taking time to be with Jesus wherever we are Bible tells us that we can never pray alone Jesus is always praying with us he is always with us he says I'll never leave you I will never forsake you he says I'm with you always we know that in our struggles, Jesus is very familiar with our issues. Jesus wept. He wept over Jerusalem. He wept at the tomb of Lazarus. And that's not a change from the Old Testament God. The Old Testament God is quite tearful too. In Jeremiah, you can read all about that. Jesus was thirsty, he said, I thirst. Jesus' soul was troubled. As he approached the cross, he says, now my soul is troubled. And even Father, save me from this hour. It says in Hebrews, with loud cries, he gave his prayers to God. Loud cries and tears, he um, gave his prayers to God. And in Romans 8, it says that the Holy Spirit prays for us with sighs too deep for words. These are deep cries and deep prayers. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are completely kind of clued in to this kind of deep um, prayer and pain. Dietrich Bonhoeffer tells us that when we pray, not only is Jesus praying with us and we're praying always with Jesus, but we're also praying with his body so that when we're praying, others are praying. Maybe they're praying actually for us. Often, you know, those who love us are praying for us and we uh, can pray like for the people of trouble or other people who are in distress. We can pray for them and be part of that intercession of Jesus. We never pray alone. 
Jesus is praying with us. He knows how we feel. I just want to finish with um, some words from a hymn. It's an old hymn. Uh, it's one that I know quite well, but it might be because um, I've been singing hymns for a long time. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. Rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy life. Leading onward, leading home to thy glorious rest.